0: disgusting, sinful people. Look at you. What do you think you're doing here? What makes you think you are welcome? Goodness me, you'd think we're running a circus or a charity or something. Is this really how we want to be representing God? The world is going to think that he is tainted And dirty because of you. I can't even stand to be this close to you. And you think God wants you in his presence? No, you poor ridiculous fools. No. Everyone knows only the righteous can be in God's presence. So what do you people think you're doing? Leave. Get away from God with your sin and don't even think about coming back until you get your lives sorted out. Maybe we need to put a big sign out the front that says, sinners, stay away. Are you a sinner? Yes. I am. Welcome. You're in good company. You are welcome here. You are welcome in this house of worship. You are welcome in this family of believers. You are welcome in the body of Christ. And above all, you are welcome in the presence of God. Can you feel it? He is here. I mean, he is always with you, chasing after you, everywhere you go. But when we gather in his name, he is with us. He is here. And he is saying to you, welcome, my child. Hire my welcome home. Today's passage is on three parables, although we only read the one. Um, that Jesus tells to illustrate God's heart for the lost. But before we jump into those, I wanted to touch on the context to which he is speaking. And we get a glimpse of that in chapter 15 of Luke in the first couple of verses. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, they were obsessed with the idea of being righteous and clean. And they had created all these laws by which a person became clean and holy. Within the system, you couldn't touch an unclean person or you yourself would be tainted. You couldn't go to the temple if you were unclean. So there was this religious system going on of the clean and the unclean, but there was also social systems of status and class. And eating meals together was huge in this game of social snakes and ladders. It was expected that if you hosted someone around for a meal, that they would one day host you in return. And so, of course, if you're wanting to climb, You're only going to invite people of similar social status and above you in the hopes that those above you would one day invite you back in return and you would be elevated into their social circle. You would never invite people that were too far below you or that would never have the means to invite you back in return. But who is it that Jesus ate with? Everyone and anyone, really? Really? And in this particular passage, we have Jesus, we have Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but we also have sinners and tax collectors, the lowest of the low. And by sharing a meal with them, repeated many times in the gospel, we see a glimpse of the kingdom of God, a place in which everyone was welcome to the table as equals, And that is good news. In the kingdom of God, you are welcome as you are and as a fully equal brother or sister in Christ. See, there were no classes or statuses, no clean or unclean, only those who came to listen to Jesus and to share a meal with him. And then there were those who were too preoccupied and bothered by the presence of others that they deemed as unclean sinners that they think didn't belong there. And it was to them and their muttering that Jesus is directing these parables. Jesus tells many parables over his ministry and these are simply like extended metaphors that tell us about a characteristic or a trait of God. And these three parables in particular are telling us the same Story, they're illustrating the same picture. So, as we read these parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, we are getting different perspectives and illustrations of the character of God and his heart for the lost. But we're also going to keep in the back of our minds that Jesus isn't telling these parables for the sake of those who are lost to hear. But to rebuke those who think that they were righteous and better than a sinner. These Pharisees and teachers of the law were questioning why Jesus would allow these people who were sinful and unclean to be near him and even to eat with them. As I said earlier, you are welcome with God. And I'll stand by that statement 100%. And that is good news. God welcomes you to Himself. No matter your sin, no matter your past or where you find yourself now, no matter what may happen tomorrow, you are welcome with God. But in these parables, we see a shepherd go out from the rest of his flock to chase down the one lost sheep and to bring it back home. This wasn't just in some nice fenced in paddock, but this was through the wilderness, and it would have been quite a treacherous journey. It was certainly dangerous for the sheep to be out there alone, and likely dangerous for the shepherd to try and follow and find it. But he does it anyway. And when he finds the sheep, he carries it back home and he rejoices and he calls others to share in his celebration that his lost sheep is now found. We then see a woman who loses one of her coins and she searches for it. But this wasn't just a passive look or a quick glance. My parents like to say, did you look with just your eyes or did you use your hands? As in, did you pick things up? Did you move them around, behind and under them? Did you look thoroughly? Well, this lady not only sweeps her house inch by inch and looks carefully for her coin, she also lights a lamp, which I'm not certain on, but I would imagine that in those days, lighting a lamp and using some of your oil would have been quite expensive. And yet she chose to bear that cost for the sake of finding her lost coin. And when she finds it, she celebrates and she invites others to join in with her and rejoice that her lost coin has been found. And in the final parable, a son turns his back on his family and goes off on his own, wasting his money, ruining his family's reputation. The son should have been disowned by all accounts. But when he hits his lowest point and decides to come home to work as a servant in his father's household, instead his father runs out to him. Honorable men just did not run in those days. But he runs out to his son and he throws his arms around him. And he gets him a robe and a ring as a sign that he has been reinstated into the family that he is now protected by this household once again. And he celebrates, he throws a feast with everyone to celebrate that his son, who was lost, is now home. So when I said that you are welcome with God, can you see how that was quite a huge understatement? Through these stories, Jesus reiterates again and again and again, that it is not just a passive welcome. Our God is the God who will go after you into the treacherous world. We see that with God becoming human in the man of Jesus, taking on our brokenness, facing temptation to rescue us from our sin. Our God is the God who will light a lamp and search high and low until he finds us, gladly paying whatever cost. And our God is the God who runs to meet us, throws his protection over us, and restores us to our place in his family. That is good news. Not only are you welcome with God, but he will never stop pursuing you, never stop chasing after you, and never give up trying to bring you home. And we know that this is good news because with each parable, the person finds what was lost and they rejoice and they invite others to celebrate with them. I don't think I've ever ever reacted like that to finding something that was lost. I went to Festival One about a month ago and uh, my fiancé, Jeremy, a couple of friends and I were walking around on the first afternoon checking everything out. Um, We went everywhere, right? We walked through the market, We went into one of the main stage buildings out the other side, went down past around a lake, past some more stages. We came back up, past some stalls, popping into the occasional one. Then we went to an art gallery, a rock climbing wall, the MAF aeroplane. Like, we went everywhere, right? And then not long after all this touring around, Jeremy realizes that he no longer has his phone on him. After some looking around our tents and through his bags, he goes off to the lost and found in the hopes that someone has turned it in. No such luck. So he leaves them with a description and a friend's phone number so they can get in touch if it turns up. Well, the next afternoon, we had still heard nothing, so I convinced him to retrace all of our steps from the day before. We went back through the market, into the stage building around the lake, and then as we came back past the stalls, I went into every single one and asked if they had seen a phone lying around. No one had, but a few offered us some good luck and the promise to keep an eye out for it. But when we went into the last stall, the lady there was so nice, and she seemed so genuinely concerned for us. I don't know what it was, but something the way that she was interacting with me made it feel like she really cared about us and finding this missing phone. I reckon that she must have put herself in our shoes, and for the moment that we were talking, she felt what it feels like to lose your phone. She even prayed with me right then and there, that we would find it and off we went into the art gallery and lo and behold there's Jeremy's phone safe and sound. I will say that was probably the closest to full rejoicing that I've ever felt over finding something that was lost and I actually went back to that last stall and told that lady that we had found it and her prayer had been answered and she was genuinely happy for us as well right she celebrated with us. What a break. Do you remember who I said that Jesus was actually directing these parables to? It wasn't to the sinners who had come to hear him. They already knew the good news that they were receiving. He was talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The ones who believed that they were clean and righteous and questioned the presence of those that they deemed unworthy of what Jesus claimed to offer. Does that remind you of anyone? Not in your personal lives. I don't want you to be like, oh, that sounds like Bill from work. He thinks he's so much better than everyone. No, no, no. Um, I mean, does it remind you of the key person that I've left out of the stories? Perhaps like the elder brother of the prodigal son, the one who did everything right. He stayed with his father and worked the family land and he didn't stray away. To anyone looking in, he was the perfect son, right? And so when his younger brother, who had already wasted his portion of the family's wealth, returns and everyone celebrates it, he just couldn't accept it. And in a way, I can really understand how he was feeling. I love things to be fair and equal, and this certainly doesn't seem like that but as someone who appeared to be so in line with his father and doing the right thing, he had missed a very crucial part. And it's the same crucial thing that Kevin talked about last week. If you weren't here, last week Kevin started the series on the good news when Jesus withdrew to mourn the loss of his cousin John the Baptist. But he was followed by huge crowds of people. And rather than get mad at them or to try and retreat again, It says that Jesus had compassion on them, and so he began healing them and working miracles among them, including feeding all 5,000 men plus the women and children before he sent them home. And it was this key word, compassion, that Kevin picked up on. Yes, it is good news that Jesus heals, but he only does so because he has compassion for people. And it is this word, compassion, that we find in our passage. In fact, it's a word that we find repeatedly throughout the Gospels. And in Luke in particular, I think you'll find it almost every time Jesus heals someone. But in our passage, we see it in verse 20 specifically. When the father saw his son returning home, his heart was filled with compassion for him and he ran out to meet him. As I said earlier, parables show us the character of God. His character is not that he goes after the lost. His character is not that he rejoices when they are found. These are actions. And they stem from his character because God cannot act outside of his character. He cannot act outside of who he is. So who is God? God is love. Because God is community within himself as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is able to love within himself. It is who he is. It is at the core of his very being. And God's love then spills out onto his creation because he cannot help but to love. And all of God's actions flow out of this love to restore creation and his peoples to himself. And that is why he cannot help but to have compassion for those who are lost. There is no weighing up whether it is worth the cost or the danger. Because in his love he cannot help but to have compassion. And in his compassion he cannot help but to act, to seek and save the lost. And that is good news. That God is love and so he loves and he has compassion for us. And so this elder brother, who by all outward appearances was doing the right thing and honoring his father, had missed the most crucial thing, and that was in his heart. Much like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had turned faith into following the rules and into like an exclusive elite membership club but who could not understand why Jesus welcomed sinners to himself. They had missed the very heart of God. If all God cared about was outward appearances and actions, then in the parable, the father could have just ordered the younger son to stay put and do the work. Instead, he allows him the free choice to leave. And isn't that also good news? that our God loves us so much that he will respect our free will to choose to walk away from him even though that hurts him deeply. Although God is not passive towards you and will seek after you, he will never force his presence upon you if it is unwanted. So instead of using force and rules, the father loves. And in fact, he runs his whole household with love. See, the prodigal son didn't return because his father had a reputation of being a tough, cruel and judgmental man. He returned because he knew that even the lowly servants were more than provided for in his father's house. He knew that he could return and even if not to be reinstated as a son, that he could be a servant and that would be good. Dare I ask what kind of reputation the church has in that regard? Are we known for our forgiveness and care for people who are hurting and broken? Or is it for our judgments upon those who we disagree with and think are sinners? I think it's more the latter, but obviously that is a huge generalization, and the church across the Western world is not helped by some vocal minorities who misrepresent us. But I think it still stands to be true. Hillcrest Baptist has had many prophecies and words spoken over us to become a place of shelter and refuge for those who are lost, those who are hurting, a marginalised outcast, to be a place where the peace and love of God is tangible through us and our actions. To be a household of love. As disciples of Jesus, called to follow in his footsteps, we are not simply being called to just follow the rules and do certain things. We cannot achieve what we are being called to be by making an action plan and trying to complete some certain steps. As with God, our actions must flow out of who we are. From a transformed heart to love as God loves. And for this, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Constantly teaching us and guiding us. And above all, transforming us to be more like Christ. Because we cannot do that ourselves. We cannot do that by sheer willpower And we cannot do that without a church community to walk alongside. We are in the process of salvation being worked out here on earth as God works to restore his creation and his people to himself. God is at work in the world today, continuing to seek and save the lost. And that is good news. Know that if you are feeling lost or far from God, that he is actively pursuing you and you are never too far from him. Jesus is welcoming you home to himself. And if you would like to talk or pray with someone about that after the service, you can talk to myself or Mark who's been leading the service or anyone in this church family I'm sure would be willing to talk and pray with you today. So God is at work in the world, continuing to seek and save the lost. And he invites us to join him in the work that he is doing of restoration. And that is also good news. We aren't just sent out as minions to do his work for us, but he is actively involved and invites us to participate with him in what he is already doing. To be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, is to walk in his footsteps with him. Not just in our outward actions and appearances, but starting with our hearts. And so we need to recognize recognize the amazing good news in our own stories of salvation. That God isn't just passive or indifferent towards you, but that he has pursued you and is always with you. And then we must allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform us so that we may love the way God loves and to have our actions fall in line with that love for the world and for others, to have compassion for the lost, not just a passive welcome when people come into our doors, but to go out to them and to carry them home. to celebrate that good news of their salvation and to have a household of love. Please pray with me. Father of mercy, thank you for the ways in which you have pursued each of us and brought us home to yourself. We also thank you for bringing us together as a church family to follow you and do life together. Lord, we recognize our need for you and the miracle of faith that you have given us. Thank you for the message of your good news as we would be nothing without it. Thank you for inviting us to go with you as you continue to take this message to the world. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and fill us afresh again today and every day. We lay down our hearts before you that you would transform us to be more like Christ. Please help us as we try to love the way that you love, to act out of compassion and not judgment, from a place of humility and not pride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.